Dear Jesus, we just thank you for this amazing opportunity we have to gather together this morning, celebrate uh, Easter together. We just ask that through uh, today's message, through our songs, through our times of uh, just fellowship together, partaking of Eucharist, communion, the, the bread, the wine, the honey, the butter, the jam, whatever, making it delicious, just savoring these moments together that we will find ourselves closer to one another and closer to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Good morning. Happy Easter uh, to anyone that's new. I'm getting a little ring. There we go. Um, we hope you have an amazing Easter celebration with us. We do things just a tiny bit different here at Bloom. Um, We'll have a little time of discussion. I don't know how that'll work today with it being Easter, but we have discussion following a message every Sunday. From that, we'll go to uh, worship, and we usually have prayer circles at the end, although today, for time-wise, I don't know. It's a little bit up in the air. But uh, we do take communion every Sunday, and this Sunday, since it's Easter, we do it a little bigger, and so we've got uh, fresh-made rolls from people in the community. We've got jam and honey and butter some wine, and after the teaching, when we get to discussion and worship, that will be a communal, like, enjoy it more. Um, also today, I've, uh, I'm a, well, I dressed up to show you that <laughs> I can actually dress up once a year. It's usually a t-shirt, and so if you're ever going to come back, you don't need to dress up when you come back, so. Um, but I really tried to fold the five senses into today's experience. So um, there's incense at the back, which is a huge part of uh, a lot of people's celebration today. Um, there is the, the wine, the rolls, the, the honey, the, there's the taste experience. Uh, during the, I've got some paintings uh, that will be scattered throughout um, the slides. Uh, and they're all old since there's not a lot of fresh modern paintings of the ascension of Jesus or the risen Lord, and so uh, they're old, but uh, beautiful even at that and tell a story, and so there's some visual there, there's the fresh breeze, and we're just trying to keep it all, uh, if you need to be hand tangible, right, there's probably some sticky notes or something you can grab in the back, or a physical copy of the Bible if you want one to follow along. Uh, other than that, that was a long intro, I'm sorry. Uh, notes. I panicked for a second there. I'm like, oh no, where did I put them? All right. I want to open with a passage this morning that is going to kind of lead us through today's like celebration of Jesus. And it's Philippians 3.10. And if you followed along with us, Philippians 3 was our reading this last week. And so you might have read more of this chapter and we'll grab a little piece of it uh, later on when we talk today. But Paul is writing to the church of Philippi, and he says, I want to know him, meaning Jesus, inside and out. I want to, oh, that was too fast. I want to experience the power of his res resurrection and join him in his suffering, shaped by his death. Uh, this, there is so much for Easter that is encapsulated into this one verse that we need to talk about. But I wanted to start with something a little more personal. Um... Easter is the whole reason that I, uh, I mean, it, it really is why Christianity and Jesus is the, is, is the 
central inspiration for my faith. I mean, I see the divine in so many other religions out there, but without the peace of Jesus, without the, without this Resurrection Sunday, uh, it just doesn't make as much sense. If Jesus is not God to come in flesh to experience human life for himself, to have a first-hand view of our suffering, our temptation, so that he can understand what it's like to walk in our shoes, so that he can love us differently. If that is not a reality, then there's just too many pieces missing for me. It just doesn't all come together. And so this celebration is one that, that really, I tease that it's like the Super Bowl Sunday of Christianity, but it is. If our inspiration doesn't come from today, then it loses ground in so many areas. It just starts to unfold and whittle away. There's something powerful about today's celebration, what it stands for with God, um, that we have to find our life from. We've got to start here and move forward. And I, I, to be honest, it's so easy to let even the message of Jesus become a religious dogma, that love others. We can start to beat one another with that, well, we need to love one another as Jesus said, love our enemies. Love. It can be a mantra that gets taught so many times it almost seems like its own bat. If we're not living as an inspiration, if we're not letting the life of Christ that comes from today, the life of Jesus that says, hey, I'm willing to do anything to remove any obstacle from a separation of our relationship, but it doesn't just go from him and us, he says, and, the, and everyone in the world, this, this peace, this unity for every person, he's like, I want to remove every obstacle. And so it comes from this place. This is where we find our inspiration to love someone else. It's flowing from this sacrifice that Jesus made, this inspiration that we get to take moving forward into our days, our weeks. Um, a love that's willing to humble itself in human form, to go through all the temptations and trials, to understand the object of his love, you and I, in a new and intimate way. A love that's willing to endure immense pain and death to prove that life comes from death and that all love is sacrificial. This state announces that the impossible with Jesus can become possible, and it really takes our faith into a whole new dimension, life, look. Um, and I think, it's, it's, I think this is something we can all latch on to. I think this is something we all need to celebrate together and grab something from. And so from that verse that we opened up with, I want to take those four pieces of that and just look at how we can apply that to our celebration today. The beginning of the verse is, I want to know him inside and out. Um, and in Matthew 16, Jesus says to his disciples, he says, who do the people say that the Son of Man is? And the disciples answer and say, some say you're John the Baptist, some say Elijah, some say Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And so Jesus asked them, and I guess it's the question for each of us today, and you, who do you say that I am? Who do you personally latch? Like, what is your image of Jesus? Because if it's not this, this, um, this representation of God in pure love that is willing to do anything to bring peace and restoration and healing to every single person, then, then what is it? is it? Is it these paintings? Is it an old painting where it's this... Um, invitation to, to follow a dead hero, um, a hero that was written about from the past and we're finding some inspiration for a dead hero, or do we truly believe when we talk about Jesus that it is, he is alive and living, it's not an old painting, it's not an old passage in scriptures 2,000 years old, there's something 
alive that we can tap in today. Not just something he is alive and at work in the lives of each and every one of us and those around the planet restoring things, bringing wholeness and peace. And we celebrate that today with Easter. He lives on the inside of each and every one of us and he says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you realize that, if you abide in this understanding, there's a life, there's a peace, there is an abundance that comes from that, that passes any human experience that we can have. Um, we get to be followers of Jesus. We get to love. We have the opportunity to experience what it is like to be perfectly loved and then pass it on to someone else. We find the answers not just in old stories, not just in old paintings, but in a personal, everyday interaction with the divine in every one of our lives. The next one is to experience the power of his resurrection. Uh, Ignatius of Loyola has this fantastic passage for the Easter season, and he says that he encourages disciples of Jesus to pray daily for a charisma of intense gladness. He's like, this season, this message, this understanding of God this way should really infuse each and every one of us with this intense gladness that it's not based on circumstance, but based on the resurrection of Jesus, because no matter what happens in our life, good, bad, sideways, unexpected, Jesus is still risen, he's still, his spirit is fused to ours, he's walking with us, he's with us at all times, and there is life that comes from that. Can we find something in that today, something new, something, a tiny spark to take us in another direction where we're infused with intense gladness because of what has happened here? Uh, and, and clearly this intense gladness is not this kind of like a giddy happiness we get from a party we're attending where we've had an extra couple of glasses of wine and we're laughing with friends. No, I don't think it's that kind of gladness. But it also isn't this like this face that we paint on in the midst of troubles where we're like, ah, everything's going to be all right. I have this is fake until you make it. It's not that either. It's a soul gladness that says, despite what is happening on the outside. I know that I'm secure with Jesus, with the divine, with what's happening in my life right now. Because when this prayer is heard, when this prayer that uh, Ignatius of Loyola prays, it, it, it gives us a hope that, that, that can't leave us, that's with us no matter what's going on in our lives. Um, Isaiah 16, 19 says, you won't need the sun to brighten the day or the moon and lamps to give you light. The eternal one will be all the light you ever need. Your God will provide your glory and brilliance for all time. Can we find this kind of hope, this kind of peace, this kind of immense soul joy that we can latch on to today? Now, Easter really points the, the finger at this message that's been deluded over time that we talked about at the beginning of man, of us, so wanting to turn even the love your neighbor into a set of commands that we get to look at each other and be like, well, how good are you doing at this today? And how, how are you doing at that? Like, let's, am I better than you? Have I been loving people better than you? I have. I can relax now because I'm better at loving. No, it's not this extra set of judgment. There's two kinds of righteousness. There's the kinds of righteousness that Jesus bought, paid for, gifted today that says you are perfect in my eyes, no matter what you do, there's nothing you can do to make me love you more. There's nothing you can do to make me 
love you less. There's that kind of righteousness, or there's the kind of righteousness that says, I want to prove it to him. I want to prove him that I'm worthy. I'm going to earn this on my own. And there's no gray area in the middle, because any mixing of those two thoughts is self. It's all back to you again. It's not a completed mission from God. It's a, well, I did a little bit, and now you really got to step up your game, because if you don't, there's no mixing. This kind of righteousness is only divinely given. Now, if we go to Philippians 3, our reading from this week, uh, it starts by talking about, um, it says, those who worship God in spirit make our boast in Jesus, the anointed, the liberating king. So we do not rely on what we have accomplished in the flesh. It's not us, what we've done, the good merits, the altar brass that I polish with my good behavior, the fake Sunday morning smile. It's found in Jesus, the liberating king that we celebrate today. He says, when it counts, I want to be found belonging to him, not clinging to my own righteousness based on some law, but actively relying on the faithfulness of the anointed one. This is true righteousness, supplied by God, acquired by faith. And then we get to our verse for today. I want to know him from the inside out. I want to experience the power of his resurrection and join in his suffering. I want to be shaped by his death. I am not there yet, nor have I become perfect, but I am charging on to gain everything and anything in the anointed one, Jesus, that he has in store for me. And nothing will stand in my way because he has grabbed me and won't let me go. He has grabbed me and won't let me go. Not I'm holding on white-knuckled to Jesus, hoping to stay afloat. No, he's grabbed on to each and every one of us and will not let us go. Brothers and sisters, as I said, I know I have not arrived, but there is one thing I am doing. I am leaving my old life behind. I am putting everything online for this mission. I am sprinting towards the only goal that counts to cross the line to win the prize and to hear God's call to resurrection life, found exclusively in Jesus the Anointed. All of us who are mature ought to think this same way about these matters. If you have a different attitude, then God will reveal this to you as well. For now, let's hold on to what we have been shown and keep in step with these teachings. Imitate me, brothers and sisters, and look around at those already following the example I have set. I've warned you before, and I will say it again through my tears, that we have many enemies, people who reject the cross of the anointed. They are ruled by their bellies. Their glory comes by shame, their minds fixed on the things of this world. They're doomed. But we are citizens of heaven, exiles on earth, eagerly waiting for a liberator, our Lord Jesus. This passage here, and it's echoed all throughout the New Testament, is urging us to get past this sense of looking at our own merits, looking at the things we've done, looking at each other and what we're doing, and just simply relying on the grace and goodness and mercy of Jesus. In Ecclesiastes 9, he says, Here is what you should do. Go and enjoy your meals. Drink your wine and love every minute of it because God is already pleased with what you do. Enjoy life with the woman you love or man you love. Cherish every moment of the fleeting life which God has given you under the sun. It's this, this, there's a celebration that should come from this. When we take communion today, when we partake of it together, it's enjoying it. It's savoring the taste. It's saying every time you eat together, let these elements remind you of the peace that I have brought, of this understanding, this way of looking at life that's accessible at any time you need this reminder. Let this be the callback to mindfulness 
you can relax in me. And so today as we take it, as we savor what the wine tastes like and what bread with honey or whatever you choose to put on it tastes like, remember that this savoring of life is what he wants us to do together. It causes us to find our inspiration, our energy through Christ, and then it just naturally happens that this is given back. This is given back to the poor. This is given back to those who are needy and helpless and who really do need the hand of the divine, which many times comes in the form of you or me acting on the inspiration of Jesus. But it's not a have-to, it's a get-to, because we celebrate like, the, like today. The third part of the verse was, join in his suffering. Now this is an interesting one, because I think it's something that has gotten twisted over the years into somehow like actually looking to get, to suffer for Jesus in some way. Um, and I've heard Christians say when politics doesn't, don't line up with what they believe, oh, we're suffering for Jesus. Or we're, and this, this is not the kind of suffering I think the disciples are talking about here. The true value of Jesus' suffering does not lie in the pain or, the, or this that it experienced, but it's, it lies in the love that's behind it, the love that inspired these selfless acts. He loved us so much he was willing to go to any end, any bounds. This isn't just a story of a creative guy following Jesus. This is the divine taking on human flesh to remove any obstacle to pursue you in love. And it's this love, not this suffering that says, I don't even worry about me because I'm doing this all for you. That is the kind of suffering we're tapping into. And that kind of suffering, we see a holiness that serves the poor. We see a holiness that loves its enemies. We see a generosity that puts others first and elevates community and the earth that he's called us to steward above corporate success or the next gadget that we really want. It's seeing a bigger picture and seeing our part in that. It lives the life-living gospel of a crucified and risen lamb in season and out and finds its energy in that. We look at the life of Jesus and he's constantly shocking people. Look at the disciples, of the, the, the bunch of people he hung out with. There was... Uh, there was gentlemen in this group that would have killed each other if they would have met as strangers on the street because of how different their, their views were. And not just, um, this isn't just a like a possibly would happen. It would definitely have happened. The zealot in the group that's, that's alongside the tax collector who's a traitor to his people, like these two, this would not have ended in friendship ever. There would have been chalk lines on the cement. The zealot, Simon the zealot, is, is, it's been thought that if he's a zealot, there is probably no chance he has not stabbed people like Matthew to death to make his cause. That's how you pretty much initiated your way into these groups was you were willing to shed blood because of what you believed in. And we have this, this group of guys that Jesus loves, fishermen who, like swearing like a sailor, isn't, didn't just come around now. Like This group is who he chooses to say, hey, I'm going to believe in this. I'm going to do something about it. We see how he loves the prostitute, how he loves the Samaritan woman who doesn't practice religion correctly, how he, uh, just this, this tremendous love, even on a busy day, he sees a, a, a widow who has lost her son, and we see Jesus weep, and want to change the course of the day just so that he can comfort her. This is the kind of suffering that we're talking about connecting with. And lastly, we want to be shaped by his death. The word forgiven, if you look it up, and especially if you start looking at the roots of where it comes from, it means to extend grace. If we understand what we've been given, there's this natural inclining to, to pass it on to someone else. I was reading uh, Brendan Manning 
the last couple weeks, he's got a daily devotional, and man, around the Easter season, it just, there, there's, there's so much power and inspiration I find from this. And he talks about, in, in, this, in this week's um, ideas, he says, it's more important to be a mature, mature disciple of Jesus than to be a great, whatever, insert your career there, butcher, baker, candlestick maker, whatever you're, <laughs> you know, uh, whatever you're doing, it is better to be found in Jesus, to see your identity in him than these other things. He even says, if the only way to achieve the first, to see yourself as a mature follower of Jesus, that you must fail at the second, he says, it'll be well worth it. Because if you succeed at the second first, and you're, you're a great business whatever, and you did it on your own, he's like, there's going to be a time where life takes a turn that you didn't expect, and then what do you fall out on? What, what, what do you have? But he's like, if it's worthwhile if you, if you made this disciple, this mature follower of Jesus, for it's worthwhile because it teaches us to be gentle with the failure of others, to be patient, to live in the wisdom of accepted tenderness and pass that tenderness on to others. And if these states are states that are perfected among our beings, he's like, how can we not succeed at everything we do after that's happened? Do we find ourselves shaped by what happened today? Do we see ourselves first and foremost as a follower of Jesus himself? There's weird labels when it comes to Christianity. We see people on all sides of the coin saying wild things. But are we willing to retell the story and be proud of it? Or are we hiding? Is the message something that like, ah, I will live it out in love, but I'm embarrassed of Jesus? There was a time when I didn't even want to tell people I was a Christian. I, would be, I wanted to come up with another term. Maybe I'll just say follower of Jesus and not say Christian. But I wanted to retell the story for someone. I didn't want to just let this term go to the wayside and be ruined. I wanted to be a new example of, wow, there's something there. Because when you see something true, when you see the divine in someone's life that's in step, that's in rhythm, that's in tune with what God's doing, everyone senses it on the inside. The divine is among us. God is doing something here. There is something beautiful about those actions, those words, those steps, that selflessness. That it doesn't need you to even say anything about it. It's the actions themselves speak this fragrance to the world around us. And as we smell the incense today and think about what was done, I want to end with this last verse. It says, Yet I am so thankful to God, who always marches us to victory under the banner of the Anointed One. And through us, he spreads the beautiful fragrance of the knowledge of of his knowledge to every corner of the earth. Through us, he spreads a beautiful fragrance of his knowledge. When you live out these teachings, when you love your enemy, when you decide to forgive, even though it seems unforgivable, when you decide to accept a stranger and help them far beyond what you were supposed to do, there is a fragrance that comes from this. There is a glory in itself that shows God is among us. He is alive. He's working through no matter what weird individual that we might end up being, the uniqueness of each and every one of us. He can spread beauty and grace in the kingdom of heaven on earth right now so that those we love, those we don't know that we love yet, and those who are, are far and strange to us will experience God in a new way because of how we interact with today. Um, the impossible has become possible because of what Jesus has done. God, we just thank you for the opportunity to celebrate this, to, to 
eat, to drink, to smile, to feast with families and loved ones today, to take in your goodness, to take it in so much, to fill ourselves so much with the understanding of your love that it has to overflow. Like the man who's drank too much and he's filling his second cup and he doesn't realize how full it is, he keeps pouring and it gets all over the table and some would say, shoot, we've got a mess. But when it comes to the divine, this is what we want. Each of us want to live out a life spilling with your goodness and abundance. And we ask for that now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Um.